Hey, I'm speaking today, message called, There is Power in Your Testimony. Your story matters. And there is power when you tell your story to other people. We'll be reading in just a moment from 1 Samuel. Before I do, let me share something funny. I heard about this young man that wanted to honor his mom and dad on their 40th anniversary. And they had retired to Florida. And he was in a thriving career in Southern California. And so he was walking through the mall and he said, I want to get something really special, a once-in-a-lifetime gift that they'll never forget. And he was having a hard time finding anything and he, he turned into a pet store and he shared his desire with the owner and the owner said, I have just a thing for you and took him to a room and in that room there was a rare South American parrot that could speak a hundred words in English. And that young man bought, it was thousands of dollars. He bought that rare bird. He shipped it across the country, another great expense. And he hadn't heard from his mom and dad in a few days. And finally he called them and said, hey, mom and dad, just checking to see if you got the gift I sent you for your 40th anniversary. And his father said, yes, son, we got it. It was delicious. <laughs> delicious. Dad, that was a rare South American parrot that could speak a hundred words in English. After a long pause, the, fa the father finally said, well, he should have said something. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 17, this is of course the incredible narrative, the powerful story of David and Goliath, and there's so much meat in these Verses. But let's read this part of it, beginning with verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul told David, you're not able to fight against the Philistine, for you are a youth. And he was a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. See, he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will also deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David in his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them and David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Lord, I thank you for your word that's living and powerful. Let us in concert thank God for the word of God that's living. It's truth-filled. It changes us. We're transformed from glory to glory. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Anoint your people. Anoint your word. Anoint your servant. Let revelation flow. Let destiny be revealed. Let encouragement be released. Let healing flow. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Amen. So this story is filled with so many great truths. But the first thing I want to notice is, verse 31 says, 
David got the attention of King Saul by his vocabulary. So what happened in the previous verses, David was bringing lunch. He's just a young teenager. He's bringing lunch to his older brothers that were in the army, and they were fighting the Philistines. They had been locked in a mortal combat for 40 days. And when David showed up, he heard one of Goliath's uh, uh, messages. Goliath spoke every morning and afternoon, challenging the men of Israel to send a champion to fight him. And whatever champion would win, that nation would lord over the other nation. And for 40 days, Israel had no answer. And David shows up and he's irritated that Goliath's talking and no one's responding. And David starts asking people, what do you get for killing Goliath? And they said, well, you get no taxes for life and you get to marry the king's daughter. Now, he was especially interested in the no tax for life part of that equation. And so David asked a bunch of people and he talked so He wasn't even talking about if it was possible. He was talking about the reward you would get. He was already there at the finish line. Come on. He already knew God had the victory. He already knew how it would end. And my point is this, don't talk fear, talk faith. Your vocabulary will stand out when you talk differently than people that are living under the oppression and the prisoning limitations of fear. And the Bible says earlier that all the men that heard the words of Goliath were dreadfully afraid and dismayed. And the word dismayed in the Hebrew is kothoth. It means to break someone down by either violence, confusion, or fear. So they had been the victims of psychological warfare for over a month, and they're under the oppression of that. And David shows up. He's not oppressed. He's not afraid, and he talks different. God wants you to be the instrument of hope and grace and life and healing of faith. And when you talk different, you will always stand out. This is a moment in American history, in world history, when the world's engulfed in fear, there is so much despair. The suicide rates are the highest we've ever seen them for teenagers. Every part of society is under the cruel thumb of fear and oppression. But when you're not bound by those things, you talk different. When you're free, you talk different. When you live in victory, you talk different. When you're unafraid, you talk different. You will, be, you will stand out to others just by talking faith. Just by talking Jesus, by talking hope, by talking love, by talking healing, by talking grace. When things go bad, people listen to what you say. And when you talk about the future is in God's hands and God's going to make it good, it startles people because that's not the normal reaction. Here's a couple of points. It's impossible to be a strong Christian as long as you have a weak vocabulary. Your words must be strong for your life to be strong. And when you are on God's page and speak the word, speak the word, speak God's promises. Come on, my family will be saved. My body will be healed. My marriage will be restored. My children will be delivered. Whatever it is that God's given you the promise, when you stand on it and speak it, it becomes dynamic. Faith is activated when we hear the word, but it's demonstrated when we speak the word and act on the word. So God wants us to be vehicles of hope and grace and faith to a hurting world. Amen. I talk different. I don't talk gloom and doom. 
I don't talk negative. It's not that I don't think those things or sometimes feel those things. I don't give voice to them in my world. God can't bless it until you stop cursing it. Let your words be filled with life. And watch what God does. Then he comes to, he's brought to King Saul because he just stands out. And David said, let me add him. And King Saul said, I appreciate your passion, young man. You know, King Saul, an older man, you know, uh, he, 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 he thought David was just, you know, uh, without reason, having passion and zeal. I appreciate your passion, but that's a real giant and you're just a kid and you can't face him. Now, never let someone who's given up on their dream talk you into giving up on your dream. Never let someone who's burned out stop you from running the race you're going to win. And so Saul is a little bit of burned out here. And so David starts preaching to him. Well, I was a shepherd. And one day a bear came. And that bear grabbed the lamb, but I went after that bear. I caught it by the whiskers and I killed it. And I rescued the lamb. And another day a lion came. In fact, it might have been plural. Maybe there was more than one bear and lion. And he said, the same thing happened. The lion took the lamb, but I chased the lion down. I killed it and rescued the lamb. And David said this, if God can help me kill wild beasts in my private life. <laughs> he's going to help me defeat this giant in my public life. The victories you win in private when no one is watching will give you platforms of influence to win victories in public when everyone is watching. And so David said, this is my testimony. And then David preached himself. And he said, moreover, the God that did that's going to do this. Your testimony is your weapon to use when storms come. Don't forget how far God's brought you. Don't forget what God's done for you. Don't forget your... Used to be in Pentecost, Pastor George, Pentecostal Church. The Sunday night was testimony night. And, and it used to drive me crazy, little kid, oh great. I've heard that lady's testimony 45 times. She said, well, it was in 1939. I was 22 years old and I visited a church and God said, oh, we, we know. We know, we know where the church is. We know the address. We know what you wore. And it used to bunk me until I started understanding the functional purpose of a testimony. And that is to activate that grace from the past into the present. Uh, here's what the Bible says, a couple of cool verses in Revelation. Revelation 12, 11 says this, And they, the last day church, overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. They lived selflessly. They had powerful testimony, and they used the blood of Jesus. They stood on the authority of the blood of Jesus. Now, your testimony has power to help you overcome the enemy's attack. And God wants you not to forget what he's done for you. Come on, when I travel the world, if I'm, I'm leaving this service to go speak in the East Valley at 1230, and we're going to, you know, I, everywhere I go, the first thing I do is share my testimony. And my testimony has helped thousands of people around the whole world 
they'll, they may forget my sermon. You know what they never forget? That guy's testimony. People start crying. People start getting healed. People in depression get set free. People with broken hearts are healed. Every time I share it, because the same anointing that raised me up from the pit of despair becomes activated when I share that testimony. Don't hide your story. Yes, but it's, it's humbling to tell people about your biggest defeat and your and a life-threatening depression and about all the things being hopeless and being desperate, all the things we went through. But when I share it, I watch God do miracles in it. There's another great verse in chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. Let's read that together. Excuse me, chapter 19, verse, verse 10. John, once again, having a series of godly encounters... I fell at his feet to worship him. This would be an angel. And the angel said to me, see that you do not do that. You're trying to get me kicked out of heaven? I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now that's so powerful in so many ways. But one of the dynamic ways is this. Your prophecy activates the activity of Jesus that gave you that, excuse me, your testimony acts to, activates the presence of Jesus that gave you that testimony. When I share Jesus delivered me from depression, the moment I speak that, anybody in depression can be healed because he healed me. When I share Jesus healed me from stage four cancer, anyone can be healed of cancer because he healed me. When I share God delivered my son, he could deliver your son. When I share what God's done for us over and over, your testimony has power. So someone needs your story to make it through their storm. And if you don't share it, they may not make it because God needed you to step forward and tell them your story as a life raft, as, a, as an anchor of hope, and as a healing instrument of the kingdom of God. There's power in your testimony. David said, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. And God, I'm going to kill this guy. David said, it's no difference to God. Come on. It works in that arena. If God blessed you in one part of your life, why can't God bless you in another part of your life? If God did this thing, why can't he do that thing? David connected the dots. David connected it and said, it makes sense. God's ready to do something great. And he just needs someone to believe him. When we share our testimony of what God's done for us, the very same grace and anointing, that helped us heal in the past becomes activated and available to those that hear us in the present. God, your testimony builds faith. It brings hope. It brings healing. It brings comfort. It lets people know they're not alone, that their story is not unique, that they can make it through the, the battle. And I just want to tell you, you're going to make it through the battle. Our entire church is a testimony. This is a miracle church that shouldn't be here. Your pastor should not be here. I should be in a mental hospital. I should be addicted to drugs or alcohol. I should be divorced. I should be homeless. God raised me up from despair and brokenness 25 years ago. And the God that did that can do anything for you. I don't know your story, but my testimony is for you. You're going to make it. Don't give up. The God that comeback is going to help you have a comeback. You're going to be the comeback kid. God's going to turn it around for you. God's going to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Don't let the devil win the day. 
Trust God even when you don't understand what He's doing in your story. And by the end of your story, you're going to have a testimony. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He's lifted us up. He's healed us and He's turned our story around. A couple of great examples in John 9, the disciples in Christ intersect a blind man. And these geniuses, the disciples, they said to Jesus, whose fault is, is it? They said, who sinned that this man is blind? Was it him or his parents? Of course, it just was ignorant because how could a baby sin? They got to be at least two to start sinning. Come on, it's just, they're little angels. And one day, the little angel looks up at you and says, no. I said, honey, they're acting like you now. It's your side of the family coming to rely on my baby. And Jesus said, no one sinned. Never try to blame someone for their own pain. Sometimes it's true, but it's it's capricious, it's judgmental, and it's harmful to look at someone and think they deserve what they're going through. It's just, just the wrong way to think. So Jesus said, none of this happened. It happened so the glory of God can be revealed. Jesus healed the guy. So it's a Sabbath. There's a bunch of people in synagogue worshiping God. And so they, this guy becomes noticed. Aren't you the blind guy? Yeah, I can see now. What happened? The guy over there prayed for me. And he, he begins an argument with the Pharisees. Well, it's not right to work, you know, to get healed on the Sabbath. Man, I wish I could have been there to slap them around. And they start arguing with him. And he says, well, who is he that healed you? And they, and, and they said, well, he's, he's a sinner. And the guy said, well, since the beginning of time, we know God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners. And, and then he said this, I don't know about your theology, Here's what I know. I once was blind, but now I see. People say, I don't know about that speaking in tongues part. Well, the Bible is pretty in-depth and beautifully, beautifully revelatory about the gift of the Holy Spirit with the accompanying language, a heavenly language. And all I can say, I was 12 years old and I had never heard of the Holy Spirit. And I was in Big Bear, California at a camp with my parents, and, and um, the youth pastor was Ken Gullickson, and he said, today I'm going to talk with you, about 40 of us kids, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'd never heard that phrase. And the moment he said those words, I fell, we were standing, I fell on the mountain, and I lifted my hands and started praying in tongues. I'd never heard anybody pray in tongues. I didn't know what it was. But me got it. And I haven't stopped praying in tongues now since that moment. And so I love, because, well, I don't know about the praying in tongues. But I, well, I, I'm sorry, you're just missing out. I'm not going to argue with you. My experience has safeguarded me against the argument that you have that has no bearing, has no power. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with only an argument. And my experience is more powerful than your silly argument. So that's the truth for all of us. In our See, when you're witnessing something, yeah, it's good to have an apologetic. It's good to know the scriptures. But man, just go to your testimony. <laughs> oh, come on. You, I, people get saved five years and they pretend like they never had testimony. Yeah, just, you know, walk with God. 
Come on, man. You were shaking your booty at the, at the nightclub six years ago. You were, you were doing this. You were going through the... Everybody gets cleaned up at church. What? I don't got, I don't got a testimony. Liar. Everybody got testimony. And it's not just getting saved. See, I used to have the testimony as a wretched little first grader giving my heart to Christ. And I repented for all my kindergarten sins. And so my testimony was for years, the keeping power of God. And I used to think, you know, it's awesome, but kind of boring. I wish I'd never thought that thought. Because now I have a non-boring testimony. But no matter what it is, everyone has a testimony. And when you share it, you not only refresh your soul, rebuild your faith, you release the anointing that gave you that testimony to others. Someone needs your story to survive their battle, to survive their storm, to survive their heartache. They just need to know Jesus can heal you from depression. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your mind, your soul, whatever. They just need to know that. And if you don't share that, the life raft that they need will never get to them. So God, our testimonies are to be a part of the exchange of ministry that we have with each other. In, Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus goes across the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, and he, he comes on the shore. The moment he touched ground and got out of the boat, a demoniac came running down the mountain, screaming at him. What have you, what have you had to do with us? Why have you come to torment us? Jesus, Son of God. This guy comes racing at Christ. So the stronghold, the moment Christ touched ground, the stronghold was awakened to confront him. And Jesus, so this guy, the Bible says, he lived crying night and day in the caves where dead bones were. He cut himself. No chains were able to physically restrain him. So this is like a, you know, horror movie. He could break chains apart. And no man could tame him. So he comes to Jesus. Jesus casts out 5,000 demons, a spirit of legion. And so the next time we see the man, the, the, the town comes to see Jesus. And there's the man sitting in the front row of church, sitting clothed and in his right mind. <clears throat> Come on. God wants all of us in our right mind. And the whole town is shaken. Isn't that the freak? Isn't that the demoniac? Isn't that the monster? Now he's taking notes and wants to go to seminary and uh, what happened? And so Jesus said, okay, I got to go. He's leaving town. And the, and the man said, please take me with you. Here's what Jesus said to the man in Mark 5. Jesus did not permit him to follow him, but said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis ten cities all that Jesus had done for him. And all mar mar marvel. My teen challenged friends, God's building you a testimony. God, you're going to have a testimony after this season where you're going to help men and women be free from addiction, from pain, from destruction. 
This thing's going to turn around for you guys. What the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn for good. Never be ashamed of your testimony. Never be ashamed of what God's done for you. Tell your story and, and what, what will people think of, think of you? They will love you more. They will love you more for your testimony. So this, this man evangelized the whole area. From one encounter with Jesus, 10 cities were dynamically and permanently affected for good. Your story can change history. Your story is the key to someone's breakthrough. Your story is going to heal someone's torturous pain. Your story matters. And God doesn't want you to stop sharing it. God doesn't want you to bury it. God doesn't want you to worry, well, what, what will people think? Who cares what people think? People that need your testimony will be grateful for it. Well, when I, when I tell my story around the world, it's humbling. But then I watch God do miracles. When, when, when we went, in 1995, when bad things happened, gosh, a long time ago, almost 30 years ago, I couldn't imagine good coming out of it. Now I only see good coming out of it. Your testimony is going to heal someone's brokenness, bring hope to someone's hopelessness, deliver someone who's given up on their dream. Your testimony matters. Last scripture in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, Here's the secret sauce, here's the formula, here's the way it works for me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Everybody shout all comfort. There's no pain, there's no injury, there's no heartbreak that Jesus Christ cannot heal you from. Never believe your pain is excluded. Never believe that you're so unique in your suffering that there's no help for you. It's a lie. All comfort, who comforts us, verse 4, in all of our pressure, our trouble, our stress, our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. If we're afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring in the same sufferings which we suffer. If we're comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. Paul said, man, I've turned everything the enemy ever did to me, Paul said, into a ministry. I go through a storm. I experience God's grace. The storm ends. The grace stays. And our job is to keep sharing that grace. Our job is to tell people. Our job is to tell everybody. The last part, I'm going to come back to that in closing, but the last part. Saul said, here's my armor. Saul's six foot five, we think. He's head and shoulders above the men of Israel. And at that time, that would have been about six foot five. And David's a teenager, and he's not six foot five. And, and David tries on the helmet, tries on the breastplate and the sword. It doesn't fit. Formulas don't work in the kingdom. You can't take my formula and apply it to your story and expect my outcome. You can take the principle and apply it to your story and watch God form it in a unique way through your own life. It doesn't, religion always makes this mistake. One, one generation has revival, they make a formula of it. It turns into revival. A great move of God turns, turns into 
a monument, something dead and something lifeless. And they read words, they read, they read liturgies, they read things that were powerful one generation. By the time it got to us, it was lifeless because every generation needs a first-hand encounter with God. There's no power in second-hand encounters. So I said all that to say, David said, thank you, but I have a different story than you. I'm good with a, a rock and a sling. That's, that's my weaponry. That's my battles, my choice of weapons. David defeated Goliath. Part of the way he did was he launched himself in a testimony of his, God's faithfulness. I'm almost done. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't hide your story. I want every person here, if you've been set free from some kind of addiction, I want you to stand up and I'm going to have you give God a big holla. Every person you've been set free from addiction. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. Now, stay standing for a minute. We're experiencing the highest rates of addiction in American history right now. America and the world needs your testimony, my dear friends. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. So many are bound. We've never seen the numbers we're seeing now. Your story is important. We're so glad for what God's done for you. Tell everybody you can. I mean, start conversations with it. Thank you, being seated. I want every person here, you say, Pastor, I battled a really serious depression, anxiety, or discouraging moment. And Jesus Christ lifted me up like he lifted you up. I want every person who's been set free from anxiety or depression to stand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Just like you. Way to go. Come on. Give God the praise. Give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. My, my beautiful friends, I'm endlessly grateful God's done this for you because I know what it's like. My, my, my. My heart's just leaping for joy. We must not hide our story. Everyone you meet out there is hurting. We've never seen anxiety at the levels it's at now in the culture. Tell your story. Tell people what Jesus has done for you. And watch what God will do for them. Amen. You can be seated. I want every person here that you've had God do a miracle in your family. And someone that was away from God or bound or hurting got set free. And you believed for that. I want every person that's seen God do a miracle in your family to stand to your feet, wherever you are. Yeah, come on. Come on, give God praise. So, we just want to say to every person that maybe is not standing yet, if you have someone in your family that needs a miracle, here is the evidence standing right now that God can do it. Because God does no respect your persons. What he does for one, he'll do for all. 
May revival and breakthrough come to your family in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to ask my son, Matthew, to join me up here. My son was bound by alcohol and drugs for eight years. Now he's the executive pastor of this church. Yeah. And he's the, he's the future of this church. And I just want to tell you, our, our family, when God brought Matthew back, it healed our whole family. Miracles across the whole realm. I don't know what's happening in your story. I don't know what, where things are at. I just know our family has so much faith that God can do impossible things. I'm going to ask Matthew to close this service with the altar team in prayer and things because I need to uh, go preach another message. Tonight, 6 p.m. is going to be a prophetic service. Amen. That was a powerful word. And like, like Pastor was talking about, we've seen God restore our family. It's hard to explain. My wife and I were talking about the restoration of God. It's hard to explain when you've lost a season of your life how God could restore those seasons, but we're standing in that. And we're, we're absolutely amazed that God can restore the years the enemy's stolen. And I heard during worship, I heard the Lord saying, I'm breaking heroin addiction off someone. If that's you, come on. Whatever, like pastor was preaching, God's delivered me from drug and alcohol addiction. Every addiction has to bow to the name of Jesus. Every addiction. And don't be ashamed. If you're dealing with addiction, God is not angry with you. He's not mad at you. It actually breaks his heart because he loves you so much. He just wants his kids free. He wants his children free. So if that's you today, if our prayer team can come down forward, if that's you today, I would encourage you to come up here and put that under the name of Jesus and watch him set you free today. If you don't know the Lord, the most important thing that can come out of this service is if you don't know Jesus, that you would come to know him today. He loves you so much. He became, the word says, he became sin for us. The perfect Lamb of God who knew no sin, He became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God wants you in His family. Come join the family today if you don't know Him. If you're far away from Him, God is not angry with you. God is chasing after you today. If you're far from Him, I would welcome you. Come up front. We're just going to invite anyone that needs prayer, salvation, homecoming. If you're sick in your body right now in the name of Jesus, we're believing for miracles to happen in this place. Come down front. We're going to worship God for a moment. But Jesus said you are mine.